0: We all know that I love making and recording my own podcast. Loudmouth is my heart and soul. But what's even more fun is that it's easy to do. And guess what? You can do one too. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. You can make money from it with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast right there, in one place, for free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Loudmouth Podcast. I hope you are doing well. Happy hump day. It's pretty beautiful out where I am right now. I actually just went for a run. And oh my gosh, I really hope you can't hear my dogs chomping up his mouth right now. <laughs> He's so loud. Jackson. stop it. <laughs> but I hope that it's getting a little bit warmer where you are. And actually my roommate and I were just talking about how, how can people not believe in global warming when it was literally just freezing out a couple days ago, but I am happy for the warmth, happy for people who are exposed to the elements all the time, happy for people who have seasonal depression, just happy in general. I went for a run. It was beautiful good times. But this week, we have a very special guest on. Her name is Trista. And Trista was actually my boss at my internship with Big Brothers Big Sisters in Springfield. And that's where I met her. And then whenever she went to a new place, um, the Springfield Botanical Gardens, she asked me to come along with her. So I've been, I've known her for a while now. And she is just so inspirational. And I never really truly realized what a life she's led until I became friends with her on Facebook. Um, But I want to have her on a podcast in the future because she was homeless growing up. Um, She's had to overcome so many obstacles. And basically this episode, we talk about working in the nonprofit world and also her recently coming out um, as a gay woman at 37 years old. And so we talk about Her telling her daughter, her going through her marriage and her divorce with her husband, um, ex husband, and finding love along those ways. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and I hope you guys enjoy listening to her talk because she is truly so cool and so inspirational. So enjoy.
1: Herzog. I am a business owner. I own Monarch Marketing and Business Consulting, uh, which is uh, basically doing virtual assistant work, digital marketing, uh, and helping people with kind of whatever they need um, from a uh, assistant marketing type perspective.
0: Do you mainly stick to like small businesses? Or... It mostly small businesses and a lot of nonprofits.
1: So okay. really, I come from the nonprofit world. So being able to use those experiences and skills to help build other nonprofits and definitely build their communication strategies, and lifting some of that burden for those C-suite level uh, employees to to do the visionary work that that really those higher level executives need to do.
0: Yeah. Because I feel like in the nonprofit world, especially, communications can be kind of put on the back burner. Just it can,
1: and, and it usually is. And that's usually the first place where people will cut. Uh, and that's often a detriment because you need to be getting your message out and you need a clear message that is vetted uh, or done focus groups or something like that, that you can actually uh, know what the community needs to hear from you and your mission and how to get that out.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like it's hard to be doing multiple like communications for multiple people? Does that make sense?
1: It yeah, so it can be uh <laughs> because you are working with a variety of different messages and you don't want crossover there. Um, but I think for for my current clients their needs are just a little bit different than one another so what I find really exciting is that uh, I don't have to be tied down to one place or one organization uh, and I can do a lot of my own creative thinking and bring in some of those skills that when I was working in a uh, full-time in an office I, felt I was doing more paperwork and bookkeeping and some of those things that really weren't the fun parts of my job and I wasn't able to accomplish those higher level things that um that I needed to and so being able to step away from that and help other people position themselves to do that that bigger work I think um is really exciting and if I can manage my time and my brain space a little bit yeah, I think it will work out
0: great. Yeah. So where, well, what did you go to school for? Like, so
1: my undergraduate degree, I graduated at Missouri State University with a bachelor's in journalism. And that was in 2009. And after that, I was a reporter for a number of years and really enjoyed that work and really wanted to be in that work because Um, I wanted to give a voice to people who were underrepresented in our communities, but I also felt that kind of corporate push that you're seeing a lot of now. It's very evident now in the newsroom where money is Mm -hmm. infecting kind of some of the values and, and the ideals that journalism was founded on. Uh, I think when you get down to the individual reporter level, you still really see that and it's very rich. And and you'll see, I think in the coming years, many unions forming and one has formed here in the Springfield community uh, because reporters want to keep that sacred.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I felt when I exited the industry that um, it, that just was not happening fast enough. And I didn't want to do business profiles for businesses that were paying my my newspaper to write about them. Yeah. I wanted to write about the real issues and get at the heart of a lot of those things. So um, I quit the journalism industry. I went back and got my master's in communication and was really interested. Started to uh, take classes in social movement communication and started to really become very interested in nonprofit work and government work because you could really create a movement. And I think we're, we're ripe in our country for, uh, a new movement or the next movement of democracy and how we are able to communicate and do conflict resolution better, um, so that we can have a more successful democracy. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I had hoped to, to do with my career. And it, it has ebbed and flowed and, um, the nonprofit world, you know, stepping into that was really eye-opening. I think there's a lot of issues there um, that that stop that progress as well. And um, so now I'm trying a different avenue to <laughs> to make that dream come true, where we yeah. can change the way we live
0: and the way that we're able to interact with one another. Whatever you got into the nonprofit world, how long were you in the nonprofit world for? So I,
1: um, when I graduated with my master's, it was probably about 2014, and I started working for the university, uh, Missouri State University, uh, doing communications for the College of Arts and Letters. Uh, I moved then to government work and was working for Greene County as the communications director for the county commission. Uh, and then I was at Big Brothers Big Sisters of the Ozarks, and then more recently at um, Uh, Friends of the Garden, and so in between and uh, in collusion with all of that, um, I also served in Junior League of Springfield and worked with several nonprofits and in in various volunteer capacities. Uh, I've been a board member for Isabel's House, a crisis nursery here in uh, Springfield, and um, I've worked with the Kitchen, uh, doing work with homelessness and child abuse and neglect collaboratives and tasks for task forces. And, uh, so a lot of different work really since about 2013,
0: 2014. So you've been in it for a while and you've done so much, <laughs> so <laughs> yes. many different jobs. Yeah. Do you, what do you think is like the most frustrating thing about the nonprofit world? Like what has been Or what was the biggest struggle or challenge that you had to go
1: through? I think that most of our nonprofits are still governed by traditional boards. And I really, um, I think that that hurts in a lot of ways because from the perspective of being a board member, I wanted to be able to go in and have the information I needed to make good decisions about that organization. Um, We give a lot of power to boards that only show up once a month, and that's a a huge responsibility, and I felt the weight of that responsibility, but as someone who worked full-time, couldn't really execute it very well. You have to rely on the staff and be able to supply enough staffing that that organization really can thrive without you. And I think that's very Mm short-sighted. And I think another thing that was frustrating in in some of the roles that I had was the competition. So in Springfield or in our region, we have something like 2,000 nonprofits. And so when you're competing for for grants and services and donors and all of these things, well, if you're in a competition mindset, then you have enemies all around you. Um, and for me, I am more collaborative. Where I want to go to that other organization and say, "How can we partner? How can we do better?" And and that I think has stumped growth in so many areas of our community. And I'm hoping this kind of next generation of leaders that are in a, a bit younger. Um, And, and board members who are younger, we need young board members and young volunteers in order to change perspectives on how this should work. Yeah. But we also need those older folks to listen to us younger folks to say, okay, I understand you don't want to work 80 hours a week and not get paid. (laughs) Okay. But in their generation, to be fair, I mean, that was the expectation and they've carried that forward. And I think we have to work smarter, not harder.
0: Yeah. I feel like exactly. Well, with, you know, there being a competition, like you guys all have the same goal, you know, like we're all trying to improve the community and make it better for everyone. So it's like, okay, yeah, we might do some of the same things and we may have like the same kind of goals and ideas, but why like, I mean, I feel like a big thing I've had to overcome and this is kind of like personal, but also like in the bigger scheme is that like there is enough available for everyone. Like there is enough to go around. Like the world is abundant,
1: you know? We're still thinking in a very capitalistic way. And when in nonprofits, you really, you have to break out of that because um, it is not, Capitalism is not serving the communities that nonprofits are serving. Yeah, Capitalism is serving the board members who serve on nonprofits, yeah. right? So I think there is such a dichotomy there. And it's a, it's such a contradiction um, that we don't have board members that are really educated about the challenges facing the communities that those nonprofits are serving. One, well, I, I think it is we have such an individualistic uh, attitude too I mean that's that's a part of our culture in our society and I think someone says you know I think this would make a great nonprofit. let me go ahead and start yeah. that up and not seeing what resources are already there that maybe you could pour into yeah and so we want we want to be able to build ourselves up in our dream um instead of trying to maybe integrate it with um with an overall vision and dream.
0: Yeah. Because obviously like, I mean, especially Springfield and Kansas city, like these are big cities. Like, yeah, there's a lot of help that's needed because our government can do it themselves. Right. So like, why don't we all work together to try to, if we, right. If we can,
1: if we can come together, that's, and, and, you know, I always tell, Oh, I have a daughter who's eight. Her name is Sophie. And <laughs> she, um, is very precocious and interested in, in many of these things. And so, um, and I I think I always just tell her, you know, lead with love, make your decisions based on kindness and love, because that's, what's really, that's, what's really going to make a difference.
0: So how, have you always been in Springfield, or where did you? I know the where I, did you come from? <laughs> so
1: I am actually from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Well, okay. Oh, okay. Arkansas in general. I've kind of I moved around a lot, but I graduated high school in Fayetteville, and then I started out at University of Arkansas mm-hmm. whenever I was going to school, uh, and transferred to Missouri State uh, probably about two thousand seven, okay. and um, and then after that I. I lived in Springfield mostly from then until now, but I've kind of moved a little bit. I moved to the Lake of the Ozarks for a bit, to uh, uh, South Texas for a little while, um, but I always found my way back here. Yeah. Now I'm like, okay, I think I'm ready to move again. again. Yeah. So move to Kansas City and see what that's like. Yeah. Maybe that will stick. I don't think I'll, I don't know if I'll come back to Springfield. Maybe not. Maybe I will. But Springfield for me, I mean, it's been great. Springfield is a really amazing community in a lot of ways. Um and I've built a very huge network of people that I can call on and um rely upon and I think that's really great and I think that Kansas City is it's great that it's still so close. Mm-hmm. But also in the process of um coming out mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. as a gay woman, um I think it that has presented a lot of challenges too because People met me and knew me as a married woman, married to a man. Um, I, we have a daughter together, and 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 while people close to me knew um, that I identified as bisexual, um, it wasn't known on a large scale. So when I started to come out, and and w- my husband and I separated, and we divorced, and um, and then I started dating women, and then really affirmed my identity as a lesbian, um, that was, you really start to see who people are, Mm -hmm. I guess. So, um, there were people that felt betrayed. They felt like I had lied to them about who I was and they had unsuspectingly uh, befriended a lesbian. And so this is a problem for them. Um, because mostly for religious upbringing and still some of those uh some of those very negative associations with homosexuality but also with lying and yeah. betrayal and i think that um that really affected a lot of a lot of people and i i don't think i really expected that yeah i expected that there would be those people who are like oh, now you're gay. I don't want anything to do with you. And I would be fine with that. Um, because I don't want those kinds of people in my life anyway. Um, and I knew that most people I know would be very okay with it. And, um, and of course those people who were close to me already knew. So, um, it was surprising to see how many people just really felt like I had tricked them.
0: Yeah. Like they had an expectation of you in their minds and you didn't meet that and now they're like right. and so wait and i put really, this on you yeah yeah <laughs> and that, that that they
1: had a close relationship with somebody that's homosexual and they didn't know it yeah and um and that's sad actually it's sad for them because if they liked me before um when they didn't know what does it matter my, like I didn't change fundamentally, I'm still the same person. yeah, um, I actually a lot more self-aware and it has opened up a lot of my own um self-discovery and exploration of my childhood and my life. and you know, I'm making a lot of revelations about yeah. myself um as a result and doing a lot of healing, um which is really fantastic. Uh, and so for for those people not to be happy for me or to be, Um, understanding, I think of that is, is, is tragic. Yeah. And it really has made me want to leave Springfield because I started to really uh, feel a lot of that from, you know, in different places that I worked um, from bosses or board members. And once they would really find these things out, become very obstinate or try to erect barriers to my success. And I think I was, I'm just tired. I'm tired of that. I don't need that. Like, I don't want that negative energy in my life. Yeah. And I think, you know, moving somewhere else is very exciting to me because I get an opportunity to be me from the get -go. go. People really do feel like they have ownership over knowledge about your life. And, and that's another downside, I think, to social media is because we do Mm -hmm. have so much insight into people's lives and we start to expect that. And so I have been on dates or, or with women and have, and having people just ask us weird things. Like, um, I have an ex who, uh, didn't shave their legs. Uh And so this woman had, was curious about that and was asking about that and then asked if she shaved her pubic region. And it's like, you know, so not information you need to know or, you know, who's the top or who's the bottom or, yeah. um, and it's just like, why? I don't ask you that yeah. I don't ask you about your sex life. And I don't want to know honestly. Yeah. So I don't understand why, but people really do feel like they have, they can take liberties. Yeah. Um,
0: they're like, actually you're my research project and I will ask you every question. Right. I I want to know
1: all about this. Well, there is the internet.
0: Yeah. I mean, Um, so. Yeah. And I feel like that's what was happening in like, obviously the black lives matter movement too. Yes. People were like, just Google it. Like, don't ask your token black friend, all these questions about racism. Like a
1: plethora. there's like a whole like extended encyclopedia online. (laughs) You know, you can, you can get any answer to virtually any question yeah Uh or at least a variety of different answers so that you can make a decision about what you think about something but it's just it is just um people feel like they can be invasive but also on the flip side of that I think I found and it is really interesting I feel like because I've seen the world as a straight person or experienced the world as a straight person. And now I get to experience the world as a gay person and seeing how the difference in treatment. And so, um, there are those who really want to be an ally and you Mm -hmm. could tell, you know, they approach you and they're super nice and they talk to you in a sugary syrupy kind of way. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and they really want, because they want you to know that they see you and they recognize that you are different than them and they wanna be accepting. Um, But really the acceptance comes when there's no need to do that. Yeah. You know, I appreciate it. I appreciate that you wanna like help me take my selfies.
0: You like came out as bi. So when did you come out as bi? So I was, gosh,
1: um, it was in my late teens probably about 19 or 20, where I really started to identify that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mostly dated men. And then I got married in my, oh gosh, early 20s to mid 20s um, to a man and then divorced. And then I was married to a man again. And uh, and then that marriage lasted for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so it really was toward the end of that and that opportunity to kind of explore that and understand that about myself. Um, and that's when I realized that, no, I'm, I'm not bi. I actually like, don't want to have sex with men and I don't think I ever have. And so I was just like, forced myself yeah. to do it. Why did I do this? I wasted so many years. Yeah. Um, but you know, my, my ex-husband is one of my closest friends. And, um, of course he and I share a daughter together mm-hmm. and I would not, uh, go back and erase that relationship or, uh, anything about it. So, um, and he is very, uh, supportive of my gayness and, um, <laughs> and even when we were dating, I was like, you know, don't get comfortable because I think I'm just going to date women. <laughs> and, um, and that's just going to be the end of for me. So this is just, you know, until I find, you know, the right woman. <laughs> and, and then we ended up married with a kid. And, uh, you know, 13 years later, we, we split up and decided that we were just really good friends. Yeah. And so, um, but it, at least he had a fair warning.
0: <laughs> yeah. He, <warm laughs> don't get him, comfortable. I mean, <laughs>
1: 80, 13 years is what I can give you.
0: Yeah. So whenever you like were in relationships with men or women, how did you, I guess more men, I feel like is the more like, I don't know, like, taboo. Conventional. Like, yep. yeah, yeah. Whenever you said like, did you tell them you were bi or how did um, that yeah
1: so for a lot of guys that's a turn-on right where it's like oh um maybe we can have threesomes yeah. or maybe you know uh I will give you exactly what you need to be completely straight I think that's what we we see a lot as lesbians too it's like you just haven't had the right dick and it's mm-hmm. like well you know I've had plenty not for me <laughs> And will never be, but thank you. But thank you so much for the offer. Thank I you. Really, yes. Really appreciate it. <laughs> but take that somewhere else. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, I think that most, most men, um, were thrilled by it rather than threatened, but there were some, you know, I think there were times where, uh, a guy might be like, oh, you looked at that girl. Like the, the, the pool is wider, right? Okay. So yeah. Yeah they might not be standing to next to any super hot dudes, but there might be some hot girls yeah. that um, now is a threat. Yeah. And so I think that is a difficult conversation. Um, no matter who you are, you know, just, yeah. Um, but being open and honest with your partner and being able to talk about those things. If you can't express to your partner that you're bisexual, then this is not the relationship for you. Yeah. Like, because that is such a key part of, of, uh, of a relationship, being honest with yourself so that you can be honest with them. Yeah. And so that, yeah, if, if you can't tell your partner that you're bisexual, then maybe you need to get out of that relationship.
0: Yeah. And I don't think I've like really experienced that yet. Cause I haven't been like serious with anyone at all, <laughs> but that is something that like, well, I mean, anyone worries about like, just the, consistent well, yeah. the constant like coming out no matter what yes you are no matter when you're bisexual you it, it is
1: every day yeah I mean like and, and it's probably the same people too I mean my family knew that I was bi back mm-hmm. in my late teens early 20s right but then I started marrying men and I thought that just gone away yeah and so coming back and saying no I'm I'm bisexual still, or yeah. I'm gay still yeah. gay And then it's like, oh wow, okay, you're gonna put it on Facebook, and you're like telling the world that you're dating women, and that's there's a there's a certain degree of that that's okay Mm -hmm. when you're bisexual, but also as a bisexual, you're right, you have to come out all the time, yeah, and even coming out as if you're with a woman, and it's like next with a man, it's like, oh, I thought you were gay, like
0: I am, but yeah you know it's like you
1: love people yeah you can't identify me by
0: who I'm with like that's not not how that works
1: yeah and that is not representative of but you know the same could be said for for men you know if you're bisexual it's it doesn't matter on that same level and I think if someone is on the spectrum that's like mostly straight Mm -hmm. um I think it could be really hard for them to understand how your love interests and what uh, attracts you to people um, can change so much. And over time can change too and go one way or the other. And um, I always thought that I was completely in the middle. Yeah. Honestly. And discovering more about myself as I get older and what I like and what I want and what the kind of partner I want. I mean, all of that just kind of led me to where I'm at. So
0: yeah. obviously there's still judgment and there's still people oh, who absolutely. won't get it. And even the people who do get it, sometimes they, you know, say things and you're like, okay, yeah, it's not totally what it is, but okay. Well, like,
1: in, yeah. And what, even within gay communities. So I dated someone, um, who is, uh, non-binary mm-hmm. and so getting used to saying they, yeah, Um, was challenging and and in a good way. It really challenged me to think uh, more respectfully or responsibly about others in the way that they identify and present and their preferences and honoring that. Because I didn't want to say something that would offend them. And I didn't want to accidentally call her she or call them mm-hmm. she and there it is yeah. you know where are like um we're so programmed to this binary system mm-hmm. and I think sexuality is a lot like that too where we're so programmed where we have these choices and now we're seeing there's a whole array of choices. so many yeah and if we make a mistake you learn from it and yeah. you apologize and you move on and you recognize it within yourself um, instead of relying on them to point it out to you or, or, you know, I've only known you as a girl, so I'm just going to call you she, mm-hmm. um, because that's easier for me and it's not uncomfortable. Yep.
0: Yeah. So whenever you, so when do you think that you kind of came to the realization that you were gay or how did it form? Like what? Cause obviously like, I mean, you've known, but you know, so it's kind of yeah. Hidden. Yeah. Well,
1: my husband and I, we decided that um, we were going to open our marriage mm-hmm. and because I really did want to experience, I wanted to see, I wanted to experience women, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to know, um, what that was and explore that. And so we decided, um, to open our marriage and, and I dated s- somewhat, um, for, uh, for quite a while. Um, and we were also having other issues in our marriage, which ultimately um, a combination of all those things ended our marriage. Um, and so I think that when we finally separated, and I was more seriously dating people. So dating as a poly person mm-hmm. is a little different than dating as a single person mm-hmm. um, in the ways that you might expect. So you can't really form. Uh, a true relationship with someone when you already have this base relationship so and I didn't want to threaten that um because at the time I I really did believe that we would stay together Mm. and um so after we separated and I started exclusively dating outside of all of that um I realized that I didn't like men (laughs) like I had no desire to to date men and then when I really started dating women and having these I think for me as a younger person when I when I thought of myself as bisexual um it was mostly because while I was attracted to women I didn't think that I could have a relationship yeah like a meaningful marriage long-term you know relationship Mm -hmm. it just didn't seem like that was for me and maybe it wasn't at the time. And maybe I shouldn't have been in any relationship, honestly. Um, I should have given myself a little bit more time. Um, but now it's like, I can't even imagine being in a relationship with a man um, because this feels so much more natural. Yeah. And this feels so much more like refilling my soul Yeah, um, in the way that you you want your love interest to do. And, and probably in a way that I'd never felt with men. Um, but I also have a lot of trauma and a lot of, um, sexual abuse trauma from my childhood. And so I always thought that sex was uncomfortable or weird or, um, all those things I felt to have with men. Um, I thought I attributed it to my trauma and that I was broken. And when I realized that was not the case, um, a hundred percent, at least, um, that I was just having sex with people that I was not Not truly sexually attracted to. Um and so so that that was was huge. And Mm -hmm. that really changed my perspective on who I was. And I wasn't broken. And in this trauma that I felt like had been caging me in, um, really started to to heal. Yeah. As a result. Because I mean self-realization is like Yeah. I mean, that you got you have to be able to see yourself truly. Yeah. I think. And that's that's a great feeling. I hope yeah. everybody gets there.
0: So when did do you like officially come out? I mean officially, I feel like is a you know, silly term, but
1: I well I made it Facebook official <laughs> that I was out and gay. Um completely gay. Um back in October of twenty twenty, actually. So
0: it feels so long ago, but it's I not know, that long ago. It really
1: isn't. Um, so I was coming up on my 37th birthday and, um, and I just decided, okay, I'm just going to let the world know. Most everybody else knew. And my grandma did not know. And she is very, very religious. And she actually called me on my birthday to let me know how sad she was that she was not going to see me in heaven because she's, she's dying. And, um, anyway, but that she was very sad that she was going to be going to heaven soon and that she would never see me again. Um, so, So. and I did not come out to my grandma, my aunt out of me, which I was kind of upset about, but, um, but yeah. Uh, so luckily most of my family and even that conversation was fine. She, um, knowing that she still loves me no matter yeah. what, even if she believes that what I'm doing is amoral. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's profound in itself. Um but but yeah I mean my family most of my family wasn't really all that surprised. Again yeah. they were like I thought you
0: were done with that. That's <laughs> like no well no <laughs> I'm still alive. So
1: yeah.
0: yeah. So do you feel like coming out you know later in life like how is that how is that just how is doing that like how do you know it's like just talking
1: Yeah about it. <laughs> so it was real it's scary because um most people see that as a fundamental part of yourself mm-hmm. but it's really not I mean it is I mean it, there is something to be said about being able to be honest with yourself about that and be able to live out loud Yeah um but it doesn't change you. Yeah. Like I'm not different. I am not a different person. Like if switched it and flip and now suddenly everything about me is different. And so, um, and unfortunately that's one of those things that, um, people think that about. So mm-hmm. I must be a completely different person or something must have happened to me. Um, that's made me this way. And so, um, uh, being able to educate, I think, people, and for them, and I think, to some degree, saying, "Hey, I've known a gay person for all of this long, yeah," and, and- didn't know they were gay, and they're pretty cool. So maybe other gay people are cool. I hope that that's yeah. a lot of people's reactions. Um, but you know, I think as an older person, it is, it comes with a lot of challenges because people know you as a straight heterosexual
0: mm-hmm.
1: cis normal person yeah. and so um so yeah it was it was scary and yeah. I think um but I've done scary things I think that's another thing you know it, de- it definitely came with a lot of challenges yeah. I think it's hard it's hard when you're older to um to change something like that about yourself
0: yeah but I think what you like said earlier if- anything all it does is like help you like live more authentically and yes. live I mean more out loud like you were already yourself before you came yeah. out it's just now you're allowed to be your I full can post self
1: pictures on Facebook of my partner and I can yeah. talk about being in love with her and I can talk about our life together without um that fear someone's gonna find out yeah knowing yourself so that you can present authentically and find somebody else who also has an authentic self, um, that only improves your chances of having a, a lifelong partner. I think yeah. we really lost that. We put so much value in needing to be a pair, needing to be a partner, needing to have somebody to lean on. Needing, and why couldn't you have that with your friends? Why couldn't you just live your life building up who you are Mm -hmm. and understanding all of those things that I'm just now figuring out at 37. Um, Whereas if I had stopped kind of doing some of the things I was doing and trying to to be in love and trying to get married and all of these things in my early twenties, if I'd done that work, then um, gosh, how many years Mm -hmm. have I lost as a result of just not doing the work?
0: Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Also, I like, I'm 22. My brain isn't even fully developed yet. Like <laughs> I'm just not able to drink. Okay. Yeah. I need a party a few more years. Yeah. I think, um, what you're saying, like, obviously like being your, yourself before you're ever in a relationship with anyone. And Absolutely. we let that like define and label us so much. Like, I mean, just the fact that we have to come out, is just like, yeah. well, yeah, the fact, like, I don't, do I walk up to people and say
1: so are you heterosexual? Yeah. Like You know, like, and we don't ask our kids to come to us to tell us if they're gay or straight. Yeah. Like or they're, if they're straight, but yeah. if they're gay, like it's, it's a like Yeah. And it's, and it's like do I, I mean why? Yeah. Why? And it's so seem it seems so in the scheme of life and things that seems like such an insignificant Aspect. So, silly. Like, so who, silly. like what gender? I mean, do they treat you right? Are they respectful and kind and loving and making sure that you get everything you need? And can they communicate? Those are the things that I yeah. want my daughter to look for in a partner. I don't care what that person looks like. Yeah. Um, or what kind of sex they have. I mean, so I I care about how that person is going to treat her and how she treats them. Yeah. And it's like that, uh, otherwise it seems so insignificant because if we're only looking for what everybody else tells us we should be looking for, um, we're probably not going to find what's right for us,
0: but yeah. So, so when, so I'm assuming you've told your daughter, I mean, yeah, yeah. Did it, was it like a big moment or was it kind of just like, Hey, here's the deal.
1: I'm trying to think of, well, it kind of was a slow burner. So, Mm -hmm. um, when she's known since she was little that I'm bisexual, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think to her, it was very much of a reality until, um, her dad and I split up Mm -hmm. because then I was dating women and she could see, um, those things. And so, uh, that summer, she was in summer school, and we had talked a lot more about what bisexual meant. Mm-hmm. And um, we've gone to the pride parade like every yeah, year. Yeah, I always. So, it, so yeah, so her videos knows. of her dancing with and like she's, right, yeah, she loves it. And, that's, and she wanted last. Well, we couldn't have it in 2020, but in 2019, she wanted to march in the parade because, um, you know her mom is gay. And like, we can do this. And so we marched in the parade. Um But whenever uh, this past summer, when I, when her dad and I split up, and I started dating women, and um, she was in summer school, and they were supposed to make a flag. And she'd drawn this intricate design. And I never actually got to see it. And actually, when she was telling me about it, she's most of the conversation I was not listening to, mm-hmm. admittedly, So I didn't catch a lot of what the flag was supposed to look like. Um, But her teacher came to ask her, and this is when I started, when I perked up, our teacher asked her what the flag was. And she said, oh, my mom's bisexual. So I made this flag for all bisexual people. So they have their own flag. And so
0: (laughs) that's when I was like, wait a minute,
1: what? (laughs) Okay, try to explain this flag to me again. And so she added me to her class. (laughs) And then whenever I came out and said, you know, I don't think I'll ever date men again. And so, and and I talked to her about some of my struggles for that in the workplace. And uh, of course, at the time there was no um, federal protections under the law for gay people. Mm-hmm. And so you could be evicted from your house. You could be, um, your job could be taken from you. And services refused or, um, the looks that we might get uh, going out as a big gay family. Um, and so really having those conversations with her and we were at, uh, at dinner, um, shortly after that. And we try to check in once a month to see how the parenting co-parenting arrangements going for her mm-hmm. to go back and forth. And in that conversation, she was like, you know, mom, I'm just so proud of you for, um coming out and being yourself and she says uh it's never too late <laughs> and so I was like oh you're right you're right you're it's right too late. it's never too late to be yourself <laughs> um I so yeah that was a really incredible experience but I think that's it's um it is challenging I think as parents yeah to come out to your child <laughs> and I never thought of that as a thing until I had to do it. And, and I mean, I've raised my child to be very inclusive Mm -hmm. of people. And so I did not think she would have a problem, but I was most worried about what is, what is she going to do the lens of her life, Mm -hmm. having gay parents, you know, like what, what kind of challenges she going to face. And if we're standing in a restaurant and somebody decides to say something to us, she's going to have to witness that. And that's a form of violence that you never want to subject your children to. And then now they know that you could have had another choice. Yeah. And so, um, but she's totally cool with it. And in fact, if someone I have full confidence, if someone ever came up to us and had anything to say about her gay mom, she would probably tell them where to go.
0: (laughs) What advice do you have for people who are kind of Well, I mean, younger or, you know, older people, but people that are coming out in like areas that it's not super progressive, I guess, or (laughs) as open-minded, like what advice do you have to those people? Before doing
1: that, build yourself a network, a support group, those people who are going to say they love you no matter what, and everybody else is shit. (laughs) You know, um, my, my best friend, her, her favorite line is I'm always team Trista, (laughs) like no matter what. And so having those people in your corner who see you for who you are and like genuinely just want to embrace you every day, um, because when times get tough, those are the people that are going to be there. Mm -hmm. When you say, I need you to come right now, that person's going to come or maybe you have three or four people who you can rely on. And, um, and I think, I mean, that, that can be said for any part of your life. If you're, especially if you're going to go through a huge life transition, like changing careers or divorce or coming out, um, making sure that you have those true authentic connections with people who love and support you no matter what. Um, Because, it will get real. Mm -hmm. It will get hard. And there will be moments where you second guess every single decision you've ever made to do this until you get to the other side of it.
0: Yeah.
1: Where, um, people get used to it and you are able to live in some kind of a symbiotic relationship with other people or until you can move somewhere else where it is more accepted and that you can be freer, but yeah. Um, having, having those important people in your life are key.
0: Beautiful. I love that. That's All perfect. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, if you so want to tell that- people where to follow you or whatever, you can do that. Yeah. Um, well, let's
1: see. Yeah. Just, uh, follow me on Instagram <laughs> at Trista Herzog. Perfect. That's the best way to see what yeah. I'm doing.
0: Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I will talk to you later. Thanks. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Go follow Trista. I will have her linked in the show notes. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and enjoyed her talking about her life and coming out and everything in between. Um, Make sure to follow me at loudmouthpod on Instagram. Email me loudmouthpod1 at gmail.com. Leave me a review. Follow me on wherever you're listening to this right now. And go to my Patreon, Loudmouthpod. Um, I have some very exciting news coming in the next few months and so follow me along to hear it because I'm gonna be dropping hints here soon so yeah I love you guys thank you for listening bye